Planetary Radio is Public Radio's only weekly series about space exploration. I'm Matt Kaplan, and I hope you'll join me as we explore Mars, look for life in the universe, and fly through the rings of Saturn. We'll talk with the men and women, scientists and dreamers who are guiding us to a future beyond Earth. And don't forget to enter our weekly space trivia contest. That's Planetary Radio, Mondays at 5.30 p.m., right here on KUCI. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good evening. You're listening to KUCI at 88.9 FM in Irvine and online at KUCI.org. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer. And if you don't know our host, Mari, let me tell you a little bit about her. She's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity and From Victim to Victor, a step-by-step guide for ending the nightmare of identity theft. She sits as an advisor to the State of California Office of Privacy Protection, and she's a sheriff here in Orange County. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on TV on Dateline, 48 Hours, NBC, ABC, CNN, O'Reilly, Geraldo, Montel, and lots of other shows. And a couple of years ago, she did her own 90-minute PBS television special called Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Good evening, Maury. Who's your guest tonight? I'm only a sheriff reserve, not a sheriff here in Orange County. Anyway, tonight we have a great guest coming all the way from Seattle, Washington, a beautiful place. We've been there wonderful food. We are going to be speaking tonight with Christopher Green, who is an attorney and an expert in the Fair Credit Reporting Act. He practices uh, credit litigation in Seattle, and he's represented consumers from all over the state of Washington. He handles both individual and class actions, and he's one of those guys that luckily does over 90% of his cases are contingency fee basis, and he represents hundreds of consumers against credit reporting agencies, banks, credit card companies, and debt collectors. So he he's actually uh, admitted to practice not only in the Washington State, but in the Ninth District Court of Appeals, the United States District Court for the Western District of Washington, and the United States Court of Appeals Forces. He went to After he went to law school, Chris attended the Naval Justice School and worked as both a defense attorney and prosecutor until he was sent to Africa, where he worked as the officer in charge of the legal services support team in Somalia. We'll have to ask him about that. And then when he left a- active duty, he began a practice in Seattle emphasizing credit litigation in individual and class actions. He's taught hundreds and hundreds of attorneys credit litigation, and he also teaches non-attorneys about correcting your credit and how to keep your credit in, in uh, good standing. And that's held four times a year at the University of Washington. Chris has, has helped uh, just dozens and hundreds, actually, of, of consumers with credit report disputes, credit report errors, and identity theft issues. He deals with the Fair Credit Reporting Act, the Fair Debt Collection Act, Equal uh, Credit Opportunity Act, and more. 
And he warns people about being careful to stay away from credit repair companies. We'll find out about that. He's also a great source for the media. Thus, we asked him on our show. He's been on radio across the nation and on TV, including Montel, which I was on too. And he also has been uh, written up in the New York Times. He was selected as one of the top 100 attorneys in Seattle by Seattle uh, Magazine in 2003. So we're really thrilled to have him. And you're there out there in Seattle? Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Oh, great. Thank you for joining us. I wanted to ask you, what was it like in Somalia? Boy, it was uh, it was warm. It was uh, right near uh, right near the equator there. Yeah, I, I was there oh just a few months before the Black Hawk Down type of uh, type of thing. I left uh, just a few months before that, but was over there for about five months during the the Marine Corps phase of uh, of that operation, and actually found it to be a pretty rewarding experience. So, what kind of litigation were you doing over there? Well, we had a bunch of a uh, bunch of trials going on in country. It uh, Marine Corps tends to do those, or at least back then, uh, did them in the country. So uh, it was you name it. Uh, we were uh, we were handling it over there. Just uh, anything to deal with. Oh, Marines interactions with Somalis. Uh, uh, there's also contracting law claims against the government. Uh, you name it, uh, we were we were doing it. Wow! That, now, did you also have to learn African law too, or was it mostly Marine Corps law? Well, the Somalia was then and still is a, a failed uh, state. I think is the the term the UN uses for it, and so. There, I actually do have a certificate that says I'm a member of the Somali Bar Association. Well, look but, at that. <laughs> uh, but we were uh, just trying to set up kind of a justice system while I was there. Of course, it uh, all kind of fell apart uh, for the most part after after we left. But uh, that was uh, that was what we were uh, trying to do anyway uh, over there, or at least one of our one of our uh, little functions. Well, how did you get into your interest of doing credit law? Well, actually, uh, it kind of ties in with the Somalia thing. When I came, we had a lot of Marines who were being kind of predatory type of collection agencies, uh, preying on their families while they're away. And then when I came back, uh, I only had a few months till the end of my active duty, and they normally don't want to give you a uh, a caseload because oh it can take uh, as long as nine months or maybe even a year to get in uh, to court so they usually put you in legal assistance if you only have a few months left on your contract so i ended up doing that and and actually ended up dealing with a lot of situations where marines were subject to scams uh, you know you name it and uh, there's all these predatory outfits that really surround the uh, the uh, military installations as a whole but uh, for us it was uh, Camp Pendleton and they're usually tied in with very aggressive collection agencies so uh, unfortunately at that that time we were not allowed to go into the local court uh, down there, in both in Orange County and in uh, San Diego, I don't know if uh, if that's changed. But I was a Washington attorney, so I uh, couldn't go in and represent any of these Marines against the collection agencies. So, you know, I I 
swore that I was going to sue at least one collection agency when I when I uh, got off active duty, and I did, and I just kept on uh, kept on going, and uh, it took me from uh, collection agencies to credit reporting bureaus, and uh, uh, and on from there. It's so funny how how life takes you and these journeys, right? That you wouldn't ever expect when you started law school that you would be doing that, right? <laughs> yeah, never thought in a million years. You know, I was uh, probably more geared for business type of law, and uh, yeah, and, and prosecution. I ended up working defense and uh, representing <laughs> consumers, so it really turned out well. But you know, it's so true. We get so many calls from people in the military because the the military ID is the social security number, so we get quite a few military people who become victims of identity theft. And that was one of the reasons the Fair and Accurate Credit Transaction Act had to put in some sections where people in the military could could put a, you know, an alert on that they're in the military because their families, you know, I mean, these poor guys in Iraq right now, we're finding that their families are just, they can't make it. And then the collection companies come after them. They're just, um, it's like vultures after them. Yeah. It's it's, it's horrible. uh, Really? Yeah, it's really awful. Uh, they really do need extra protection because, you know, first of all, they're social. Uh, they're required to carry their social security number everywhere they go, which is uh, a no-no. I know. Uh, I mean, you for, you must have a military card still, right? So you can get on base, or you can go in for the VA, right? Does yeah, your sure card, do. It must have your social security number on it, right? I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. Ninety percent sure it does. Uh, yeah, so. you can't get. I mean, we have a grandson who's who's in the Air Force, and and you know, of course, his dog tag says uh, his social security number, and then the, his card to get on base or in the commissary or anywhere is it's his social security number, which is so ridiculous. It seems to me in this day and age. But yeah, yeah but uh, yeah, you're you're right that not only are these guys you know fighting for us and trying to protect us, um, who's protecting them? Yeah, exactly. Only I mean, people like get... you. <laughs> <laughs> trying to anyway. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into some of the stuff you do. I mean, I know I've been on the listserv, and I and I I want to mention um, you your uh, website as well. Uh, you want to mention that right now that it's my. MyFairCredit.com. Yes, MyFairCredit.com, and it has great... Let's talk a little bit about what's on there so that people, as they're listening, they can, you know, go to the website if they want to. If they're listening to us, they can also go and see what you're talking about on the website. Or if they're driving, they can go home, and it's very simple to remember, MyFairCredit.com. And what are they going to find there? Yeah, well, what we have there is, I know you know uh, David Schwach out of uh, Louisiana, who is one of the people who really got uh, oh the private right of action under the Fair Credit Reporting Act going. He manages a forum where people go in and post information. Uh, we don't play hide the ball on uh, uh, any of this. We just put it out there uh, so people can go out, find out what, what kind of cases are, have come out. Not so much to get... Uh, legal advice or anything like that, but uh, just to kind of get an idea so that they know what they're talking about when they, uh, uh, when they go on to talk to an attorney or, uh, uh, or whoever they uh, happen to, to uh, get in touch with. We do have uh, some attorneys uh, posted uh, in there for, uh, for contact information, and uh, yeah, we, uh, uh, we try and get as much information out there as well. We post some news stories, uh, some emphasis on uh, ID theft, uh, or we do have a few stories uh, along those uh, those lines. So uh, we try and get 
uh, oh, as much information as we have uh, have time to, <laughs> to to get out there and post it. No, it's great. You, you link to a lot of websites, and you also give a lot of stuff like you have the affidavit on there and wonderful information you can look up on whatever kind of issue you have with the credit bureaus. And, I mean, I love that website. You have great things on there, and I, and I support you 100%. You're terrific. So remember to go to MyFairCredit.com. Now let's get into the nitty-gritty. One of the things that you always warn people about is to be wary of credit repair firms. So why don't you talk about that right now? Because I think now that our economy is uh, a little bit more precarious, we're hearing about a lot of foreclosures. We're seeing a lot of people getting in over their head, and the bankruptcy laws have changed, so they really can't unburden themselves of this kind of credit stuff. So let's talk about uh, what can happen if you use a credit repair company. Well, you know, and of course, a lot of what I see are the the bad results of credit repair companies. So if there are some good ones out there, I haven't seen them, but that might be a little bit of kind of, I, I kind of get the end product after people have uh, really beat their head against a wall trying to use one of these companies or uh, uh, or maybe a couple of them. But uh, you know, Chris, the, tell the, a little, tell a couple of those. I mean, don't give any names, but tell tell the kinds of stories that happen because I think people are oblivious to this. Well, the the main thing I see is uh, some of these companies that send out uh, just generic letters. You can pretty much go in uh, oh phone book or just do an internet search for credit repair, and then maybe even put in your city, and you'll see that there are uh, some of these outfits out there. You know. They are supposed to be regulated by the federal government. There's the Credit Repair Organizations Act. They're not supposed to uh, take any money until they've completed the service. There's all kinds of regulations, and uh, some of them just are not uh, not following that, uh, and and on from there. Uh, anyone, the the thing to be really suspicious of is someone who makes these big promises of restoring your credit or overriding inaccurate or rather accurate information on the credit report because, you know, they'll say that they erase bankruptcies and things of that nature. Uh, it used to be, oh, uh, a few years ago anyway, you would see these uh, scams set up where they were trying to get you a new Social Security number or getting right. you uh, a, a new uh use a business uh, tax ID number as opposed to your own social security number. That I uh, was, uh, was uh, oh, uh, the federal government attacked that. So I don't see quite as much of that as I used to. But be very careful of anyone who, uh, who makes any bold claims because the crazy thing, as I'm sure you, uh, you see, is uh, you can't, even I and a lot of the attorneys who deal with this uh, sun up and sun down would never make a guarantee that uh, even correct items are going to, or uh, items right. that should definitely be removed aren't going to show up. In fact, one of my uh, uh, my main sources of business are repeat customers uh, because the credit reporting bureaus just simply uh, there's so many errors in them that they do report things incorrectly after they've been subject to uh, huge cases and litigation and they've paid out substantial settlements. Every now and then you'll still get uh, the uh, incorrect information showing up 
on the credit report. So, if oh, yeah, someone... I, I have to tell you, yeah, we just had recently um, in November, we had Elisa McDermott, who was on our show, who was a victim of identity theft, went through all sorts of craziness. And um, I actually emailed and talked to people in the fraud departments in the three credit bureaus. We got everything cleaned up. And I just got an email from her just yesterday saying, Mari, you won't believe it. And I won't say which agency, but one of the agencies reinserted all the fraud. And I said, okay, I'm going to give one chance. I'm sending this email on. If it's not fixed, you know, you have a right to sue under the Fair Credit Reporting Act to yeah, get this. Yeah. But because we just went through this. You know, she, I met her at the Montel show. We're talking about something that's that could be very embarrassing for them. That they, it's, it's clear. But I think these databases that they have in their electronic uh technology that it just gets reinserted it's crazy yeah yeah and and especially on theft of identity cases the uh, as i'm uh, sure you've seen a thousand times is uh these uh, identity thieves are going in and they're not always using all the personal identifiers of the person uh or the victim they're not always using the social security number and the name and the address. Sometimes they're just using the social security number and they're using a different name. So the one of the quirks of some of the credit reporting bureaus is there could be a kind of a, another file out there that uh, or some of this information drifting around. And if a creditor goes in to pull a credit report or a potential creditor, they can end up pulling in some of the uh, phony uh, uh, data along with the the correct social security number. So, uh, and I'm sure you've seen sure. seen that happen uh, so many times. So, even if it's, yeah, even if it's not identity theft, I know I, I there's so many merged files which I know you've worked with, where they're they're merging files when names are similar, so they just merge the file or John Junior and John Senior. Exactly. Or, or you know Susan Smith and Susan J Smith, mm-hmm. and um, they're just and they're they're totally merged. It's it's crazy. But um, yeah. So I wanted to ask you. You know, I I had read that you you hold uh, four times a year. You teach at the Experimental University, correcting your credit. So let's say we have somebody who's not an identity theft victim. We but they see some things on their their credit report that that are are all you know messed up, and. Um, you know they don't even know where to start. Okay, so how how do you tell us? Like you were teaching the course, what what do you tell people? That how do they correct their credit when it's not identity theft? Well, the most important thing I think, or the the first step, is to get copies of their credit reports, preferably from the three credit reporting bureaus. Is the uh, is the first step and. Under the new laws, uh, they can go in and get a new credit report or, or get a free credit report every 12 months. From, uh, all th- from each of the credit reporting agencies. So that's three credit reports, right? Correct. Correct. A- and they can go to annualcreditreport.com and get it for free right online, or they can call that toll-free number. Correct. And uh, the, they also have a, oh, a little form. If they go to the annualcreditreport.com site, they can uh, order it by mail. Sometimes they do have, uh, uh, I've seen, and I, uh, even ordering personally, I, I, don't, I don't remember what my mortgage amount. They're, they're probably going to want to figure out what their 
monthly installment contracts uh, obligate them for because that's there are these security questions that come up and uh, sometimes uh, you might not know them offhand uh, but if they can't get through that security screen they can uh, oh hit a button and it'll print up a little uh, little form that they can send in so it's not a uh, a bad site although they um, probably uh, they uh, want to make sure that they type it in correctly because there were, I remember reading a couple of years ago that uh, uh, there were some companies that were taking some common misspellings of annual and uh, things of that uh, nature, you know, just slight variations uh, to try and get some of the personal information from people. I don't know if those sites have been shut down. Yeah, but they, that you know that they they could. Yeah, there were about I think there were about a hundred of them actually. That, that right? Yeah, wow. and some of them were were actually fraudulent sites, and some were just trying to get you to buy the credit report. So oh yeah, so but you're right. I mean, one of the most important things you, that we both know from Ed Morzwinski, who's been on our show and who's also on our listserv. Um, that's the United States Public Interest Research Group, and they found that 70% of credit reports have errors. Mm. And, and like 25% of those are enough to keep you from getting a job or a credit card or rent a car or all that stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty incredible the level of uh, of errors that are are being accepted, and uh, I think a lot of it has to do with the uh, the algorithms that they use, where uh, close information that doesn't exactly match can sometimes come onto the credit report, and uh, particularly some. Uh, particular groups seem to be more subject to these mismerged reports. I mean, uh, as we know, victims of theft of identity, uh, the Sikh community, because many have the same name, Singh, and many live uh, uh, close to each other. I've found, and, and also, uh, I've found that family members, if they immigrate, uh, to the United States, they might go to the Social Security Administration at the same time, apply for uh, their numbers at the same time, and believe it or not, the from what I've seen, I haven't gotten this directly from the Social Security Administration, but um, dealing with these uh, communities enough, I've seen that the number apparently is consecutive. So if uh, you apply and then they have the next person in line behind you might get the next number so oh, you have these so the crazy, whole family yeah. <laughs> yes so you know uh if you have the same last name live at the same address and then get a social security number that's a couple of digits off apparently under some algorithms that is enough to match you <laughs> the oh. information can match up believe oh. it or not oh my god so there could be like the the bad brother, you know, the the evil brother and the ev- or the evil twin, you know, you got one who's good, <laughs> exactly. which I've actually had twins that have contacted me. One was the evil twin and one was the good twin, and the evil twin had actually committed crimes in the name of the other one. And can you imagine trying to to fix that up? Man, oh, it sounds it, like an Aaron Spelling. Yeah, would make a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go back to what you tell people at this class. So first, you get your credit reports. And you order them for free once a year. And what else? Then what do you do? Well, they want to look over their credit report and uh, see what uh, 
what errors there might be. Uh, and they also want to keep in mind that the credit report that is provided by the Credit Reporting Bureau may not be the actual credit report that would go to a creditor that inputted the, the, the say, your Social Security number and name, uh, especially in these situations we were just talking about where someone is, has a family member that is uh, uh, that might end up uh, 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 in a mismerge situation, or if someone's a victim of theft of identity, from, from what we can tell, looks like uh, the algorithm that is used or the number of personal identifiers used to, to get the report uh, allows for uh, less incorrect information onto the consumer disclosure with at least one or two of the uh, uh, the major credit reporting bureaus. So, so, so what you mean by that is that, um, for example, when you go to uh, get a credit card, or let's say you go to Macy's and you want to get a credit card and they pull your credit report, the credit report that they see may look different than yours and have more things on it that don't appear on the one that you see. Is that what you're correct. saying? Correct. And, yeah. So if you're, you know, if, if you're denied credit, for example, from a lender when you want to get a house, do everything you can to get a copy of the credit, the actual credit report that they have, right? Exactly. Be- so yeah, that, that you see what's going on. Yeah, that's exactly what I tell people. The the most likely people to provide the credit report over or are the mortgage brokers. Uh, you know, if you go in for a credit card or something like that, and I'm sure you've seen it a thousand times, where the consumer, technically under the law, can is allowed to get a credit report uh, directly from whoever uh, denies them the credit, but right. they all seem to have a policy of not doing that. But mortgage brokers usually are, I don't know, I'd say it more uh, likely to, to uh, provide that information over. I guess they have the incentive to get things uh, fixed up. And, right. They uh, want to sell you the house. They want to give you the loan, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So the mortgage brokers are usually the best ones to go to to get that information. And believe it or not, I've uh, run across some situations where uh, we had uh, people that would provide us. I would get a power of attorney, send it down uh, to uh, to the provider, and get a tri-merge. And the credit reporting bureaus don't like that. Right. <laughs> the the, uh, the Some information shows up there that they don't want the consumers to readily uh, get. And uh, so it is very difficult other than through through mortgage brokers. I just want to introduce you again. We're speaking with Christopher Green, who's an attorney as an expert in the Fair Credit Reporting Act, and he practices credit litigation in Seattle, Washington. And his website is myfaircredit.com, where you can find tremendous amount of information, not just from him, but from other attorneys. And it's a wealth of, of great information to help empower you as a consumer and as a business to take care of your credit. Uh, Chris, so we're talking about this course that you teach, and so now we've gotten our credit report. Now, all three, you know, I always have my clients, especially I also do divorce mediation, and one of the things I make them do as we're going through this dissolution is to get their credit reports. And, you know, they think they look at it, but indeed, when I look at it and show them all these things, they didn't even see it. (laughs) They don't even see it. First of all, they're all three look different. The formats are different. They're not easy to read. So kind of walk us through the different sections and what we should look for. Well, the first part on, I believe, all the formats, they they tend to change these formats every couple of years, so uh, this might differ a little bit, but 
I believe on all of them the uh, the format has the personal identifier information. Now, uh, the personal identifier information is usually what we're talking. The the main identifiers are name, social security number, address, uh, date of birth, and I believe it's Experian does or used to use a spouse's name uh, as an identifier. Right. And uh, that information is the critical information. And to, to determine if you're a victim of theft of identity or mismerge, you want to look and see if there is another Social Security number that might be associated. So uh, that, uh, that information is, uh, uh, is the most, uh, most critical uh, to uh, at a base level, because if some in- other information is uh, merging on the consumer disclosure, you can imagine what's pr- probably going out to the creditors. It probably has even uh, even more junk on it. And especially um, to look for addresses and former addresses that aren't yours. Correct. That's yeah, a huge red flag. Yeah, drop boxes and things like that that the identity thief might. Uh, might have used as as you know is a uh, is a is a big uh, big deal because uh, uh, you know very infrequently I have seen it where they used the actual uh, address the consumer's address and yanked uh, mail out of the the mailbox but it's unusual for them to be that diligent <laughs> to be yeah. waiting for the mailman to arrive yeah if, um, if if they're more i mean if they're more savvy they're going to be smart enough to take the social and the name and then clearly use you know use a different address so that the new credit cards come to the new address <laughs> so, so they can have more fun with it you know for a longer period of time exactly exactly yeah and so that that's the first uh first bit of information to, to uh, look at. And also, you, they really need to look at that date of birth, because what if, you know, the date of birth is coming up and it's John Jr. or John Sr.? Maybe there's a John Smith, and it's not you, John Smith, but it's John Smith Sr., who isn't even your father. <laughs> you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm, um, exactly. You know, my, my husband is a junior, so we always worried about, you know, the junior and the senior, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so and, they have to look at every single word on there and they kind of you know how when we're in a hurry we say okay well i don't need to look at that i need to just see if there's my accounts are open and i have found more errors just in that first section that has the identifying information sometimes that really is the key to seeing that there's something desperately wrong yeah exactly and that also might be a place where uh different information can merge in oh say from someone who uh, has a, I, I actually had a couple of cases where someone just happened to live in the same city as someone who had the next uh, social security number up from them, you know, one digit off, and apparently that's enough to cause a, uh, when you get the wrong, uh, uh, wrong information from uh, social security and uh, it uh, matches up with the city, uh, in at least one of the credit reporting bureaus, uh, in a couple of cases I've seen, that was enough to uh, to merge the uh, the information. So you'd end up potentially with uh, incorrect date of birth and things of that nature um, yeah. uh, on it. So yeah, that's uh, that's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. So so they and we'll come back to how do we correct it, but in a minute. But okay. but but that's that's the first section. Okay. So then we go to the next section, and what is that all about? 
Uh, the next section used to be, uh, you'd say, public records and uh, collections. Uh, now that information tends to be merged into the to the rest of the consumer disclosure, but I still kind of separate that out because uh, the public records information isn't usually reported by any sort of uh, creditor that regularly reports. It's uh, uh, them going through the the court records. I mean, it used to be manual, and now it's probably done. I know with uh, some of the federal records, it's done electronically, uh, but uh, that information uh, ends up. And it's kind of odd. I don't know if uh, you've seen this, uh, Marie, but the um, uh, the information uh, sometimes you see it'll be reported on one credit reporting bureau, but not another. Exactly. And then sometimes there's a uh, the um, case is dismissed, and it'll be reflected in one and not in the other, and so uh, you really get kind of a. Uh, there's nothing I've seen that's more disparate than the uh, as far as what'll uh, the treatment on the different credit reporting bureaus than that public record information. Yeah, Chris, um, you know a lot of people don't realize that they need to see all three credit major credit bureaus uh, reports because. People think it's a governmental agency, and it's not. They're private agencies, and they're competitors. And mm-hmm. all the big guys like American Express and, you know, Visa, MasterCard, all, you know, the big big ones will report to all three. But some little collection companies and some little mortgage companies, they're not going to report to all three. They're just going to exactly. report to one. Yeah. Yeah, and and there are uh, some regional differences there. Like here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, it used to be, oh, I think the firm way back when was called Northwest Credit that got bought out by Equifax. So yeah, yeah, here there still is, even though a lot of the banks have been bought out by national firms, you still see a lot of Equifax here. It uh, still has uh, far more than the other credit reporting bureaus. So uh, that will have uh, have a big effect uh, here, and I always tell people here in the Northwest to really, or at least in Washington, to uh, to start if they're going to start with just one is uh, is to start there and to, to uh, get that credit report, especially if they're going in for uh, for a car loan or something like that, because mm. uh, around here. Uh, all the car lots I'm aware of pull pull Equifax, and I haven't seen them pull another. Right, and Experian is well. We have offices out here in California, and in um, in Texas, right? And then uh, mm-hmm. TransUnion is out of Chicago. Although we do have offices here in California, so yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, and you never know. And especially if you're a victim of fraud, you want to get all three because you you yeah, don't know where exactly. the heck your your fraudster is. Exactly. Exactly. Now, what else? What else is going to appear in this public records? There's going to be liens, right? And what yeah, other should, things? Um, it'll have uh, the the main one I see is uh, is collection uh, lawsuits for uh, for collection uh, is the main thing. And you know, one of the problems with it is the junior senior type of relationship you're uh, you're talking about earlier is. Uh, when these suits are filed, they obviously don't have the social security number thrown in there. Uh, so uh, that 
can cause uh, some problems because they're not using, they're usually using, oh, maybe an address or a, uh, uh, a name or something like that in there. So they're not getting all the points of identification. So uh, common sense is that it's not going to be, uh, be as, uh, uh, oh, say, accurate. Then uh, bankruptcy filings are showing up in there. Those usually hit fairly quickly, and those are probably the most consistent uh, public record information that you'll see reported uh, usually across the three bureaus because a lot of that is electronic now, and they don't have to um, wait for the information to come back from their service provider that goes uh, uh, going through the the court files anymore. They uh, they usually can get it uh, get it directly. Um, so you know the the type of bankruptcy uh, and when it was discharged is uh, uh, is another major um, reporting uh, bit of information. Um, so that that's what you see mostly now. Apparently, back in the day, way back when, they used to report. Uh, criminal records and things, and I I haven't seen that uh, at least in the, uh, in the past ten years. Uh, so uh, the main ones you're going to see are the uh, the judgments and the uh, the bankruptcies. Right, and and we you know it's important for people to know that the bankruptcies doesn't come off very quickly, does it? It's on there for ten years, right? Yeah, it can be reported for ten years. Uh, is the obsolescence period, as is uh, phrased in the uh, the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Although, boy, there were some tri-mergers that were taking it off after seven, and I don't know if they were just being, uh, I, I heard about that a couple of years ago, and, and I haven't really dealt with it directly since, but I don't know if they're trying to be charitable or trying to get <laughs> mortgage brokers to go to them to, to do loans, but uh, uh, you want to assume that it'll be on there for ten years from the date of discharge. I believe is the is the effective date. Right. You're listening to Christopher Green, who is an attorney and an expert on the Fair Credit Reporting Act, and he practices in beautiful Seattle, Washington, with all that yummy fish out there. Yum, good food, and <laughs> um, and a beautiful place. And he's talking to us about what we should do when we're looking at credit reports and we're going to talk about how to correct those errors because 70 percent of those credit reports do have errors and it's enough to possibly keep you from getting a job and for sure for messing things up when you're trying to get a house or an apartment or a car so we talked about the second section which is the public record so now we're going to the third section which is all of the credit uh, accounts Right. Cor- correct. Yeah, I, I guess they call them uh, the credit card companies, and I'll call them trade lines. Is uh, uh, basically something that is regularly, oh, a, a transaction that uh, gets uh, regularly reported up to the credit reporting bureaus, and that uh, they used to break out the collection section uh, a few years ago, but now they include that in um, any collection accounts will show up in there, any credit card accounts, mortgage, uh, those type of installment accounts uh, will all show up. Car payments uh, show up in the uh, uh, the trade line section. Student and loans, it, student loans. Student loans, correct. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll all uh, be usually regularly reported, although the collection accounts 
uh, aren't always reported every month, but the major credit card companies will send the information up to the credit reporting bureau or uh, all three bureaus if it's a major bank or credit union or anyone like that will report it uh, uh, every month uh, what happened with uh, with their payment for that month uh, and uh, uh, the collection agencies some of the smaller ones will just report when they get the uh, get the account and then if there's any change but otherwise they'll, they'll just leave it on there unless for some reason they delete it or update it or it gets paid or something of that nature um, so those are the the, the uh, main things that are reported in the trade line. And let's talk about what to look for on there, because those are, you know, they're all lumped together, and people don't realize what are their rights with regards to how long it can be on, and um, what if it is reported inaccurately, and do they have a right to know before something negative is going to be put down there? What kind of rights should they know about? Well, at least in Washington State, and uh, this could be different according to some state laws, but at least in Washington State, probably one of the biggest misconceptions, uh, you know, that that I hear uh, when I talk to consumers is there's an idea that the, uh, they have to have been provided uh, the opportunity to deal with a debt before it is reported as a bad debt to the credit reporting bureau. And there's not really a, a law on that. Once th- there is something detected, we'll be getting into that uh, here in a bit of how to correct. But if there's incorrect information going up to the Credit Reporting Bureau, there's no uh, rule that says someone has to be given an opportunity to uh, to deal with that. So if, uh, the typical thing I see is hospital bills. A uh, hospital bill will come out. There will be... Um, you know, a $200 tongue depressor or something like that on there. And, uh, you know, I, I really think it should be an area that's regulated, and I hate to be the, the bearer of bad news to people because it is completely unfair that something can be reported up that uh, hasn't been run by them uh, or told that uh, it's going to given them an opportunity to, uh, uh, to dispute it. Uh, from the creditor, but uh, frequently it does get uh, uh, reported up and sometimes can be a big surprise when someone uh, gets their credit report and reviews that section. You know, it's really important that you just brought this up, Chris, with the hospital bills. I mean, many of the people who were um, had to file bankruptcy in years past, but, you know, that that were really in trouble was, you know, they had these huge hospital bills. And, you know, they come and I, I just, you know, I fainted at a, as a, at a restaurant from some food that I ate. And um, you should get a $5,000 bill for uh, an emergency room for just mm. going to the hospital and nothing was wrong with me. I just had a mm. touch of this food poisoning. And, um, you know, I looked at this bill and I said, well, you know, could you explain what this is? Could you send me the detail? And you're right. You know, it's like. Tongue, de- not tongue depressors, but stupid stuff like, you know, how many times do, could they charge me for cotton balls, you know, for trying to take my blood? <laughs> and, you know, yeah. of course, and I was scared. It's true. I mean, I, you know, then they submitted to my insurance. And as soon as it came back, it, it got, I still said I wanted to get a, a copy of my medical records, which then I had to send $15 to get that. And I haven't gotten it yet. But I was afraid not to pay the bill, the final bill, 
because I didn't want it going on my credit report. And yet I still don't know what is on there yet. I still don't even understand the thing. But I thought, well, I'll put it on my credit card and I have two months to uh to dispute it later <laughs> yeah. but I, at least they won't get it on my on my credit report but you're right there's there's really you know no way for consumers to really protect themselves and and dispute these things um and the only way to do it is to do it on their credit card right? yeah ex- exactly and it's it's um yeah it, it's too bad that uh that that's the way it is especially with the hospital bills because uh you know as as i'm sure you uh you've seen it's almost like a hidden tax it's uh uh that when you say you know that's crazy that there's this much money for uh for a tongue depressor uh, they kind of shrug their shoulders and go yeah but you know we we're taking in uh uh people for free in the emergency room and right. we've got to uh spread the uh, the money out well hmm. you know that the, that really cries to me that there needs to be some mandatory disclosure when you've got basically a system that almost everyone admits is deceptive on its uh, on its face uh there really needs to be some disclosure from the hospital and uh it's uh it's really too bad that uh what's happening with healthcare cuz it uh, um really can uh, uh sneak up and and uh, when people are presented with a bill especially from a hospital where they've been treated by uh by professionals uh, all the way along, I, you know, I haven't rarely heard some problems with uh, related to the treatment. It's all the all the billing, and and people seem to have uh, trust that uh, their doctor wouldn't uh, they wouldn't get charged for something that didn't happen, but uh, but frequently they are. Uh, right, and, and a lot of the times, if you're in a hospital, the doctor doesn't even know what you're getting charged for. He charges for his services or her services, and, you know, they really don't know. I mean, I I got a separate bill. This just happened to me. I got a separate bill from the doctor for, you know, a couple thousand bucks, and then from the ambulance service for, you know, I don't know, like $1,000 or something, and then from the hospital for $5,000. Yeah, you know, this was, And I didn't even want to go to the hospital, and, and uh, Lloyd made me go. He said, you'd make me go, so of course I went. But, yeah, you know, $8,000 later after just laying there, and they said, oh, there's really nothing wrong with you. You just had a touch of food poisoning. Okay. But, <laughs> but you know, I mean, that's true. We, yeah. You know, we're kind of at the mercy. But I thought there was something, Chris, in the in the Fahrenheit Credit Transaction Act that um, – that before they put a derogatory statement on your credit report, at least for mortgages, I thought they had to inform you. Isn't well, it? there is something, in fact, in uh, uh, my understanding was that that it didn't have a private right of action was the uh, was the problem, and you know the problem. I think I, I would have to double check because I haven't. Uh, filed anything under it and I believe it is because it doesn't have a have a private right of action right. and if it doesn't have a private right of action boy it's it, it's, it's not enforceable <laughs> yeah it's like worse than if it wasn't in there uh, because <laughs> then they can argue that it's the federal government regulating that area and that uh, you lose your common law rights of action um, mm. under state law so um, yeah, I mean, if if someone really wants to take away your rights, uh, what they what they want to do is uh, is come up with a law, uh, put it in on the books, and then don't allow a private right of action because uh, it just isn't going to get enforced. Uh, yeah, and for people, for- yeah, for people who are listening and they don't 
exactly understand what Chris is saying. What, what he really means is there were several um, provisions in the Fair and Accurate Credit Transaction Act that gave us rights, so to speak, but said that you couldn't sue if they were violated. For example, if you put a, a fraud alert on your credit report after you've seen fraud on your credit or uh, you've gotten a fraudulent, some kind of fraudulent account, um, and then if a creditor issues credit without calling you pursuant to that uh, consumer alert, you have no right to sue them. So there's really no real teeth in it. There's no enforcement. I always say it's like saying to your kids, you know, you better be home at a certain time, and they don't get home at that time, and then there's 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 nothing taken away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's you're not the only, grounded. Yeah, you're not grounded. And so, hey, what's going to keep them from doing it? There's, you know, there's no ramifications. So that's, that's I think, what you're trying to say, isn't it? That, exactly, because the, the Fair Credit Reporting Act does have – yeah, it has some pro-consumer parts to it, but it does say, you know, you lose a lot of your state rights under there. So the smart thing that in the credit industry, if they want to uh, to uh, uh, take away some of your rights or protect themselves, what they'll do is they'll put that in, uh, come up with a, uh, a rule prohibiting some practice that's widespread, but put it in the area that does not allow a private right of action, which they've done with uh, of the the ones you mentioned and some others, uh, for instance, a furnisher uh, basically gets off scot free if uh, if they uh, report something inaccurate uh, and the dispute there's a dispute but it hasn't come from the credit reporting bureau so it's uh, you know and there's some other things that might be able to be done under uh, some common law rights of. Uh, defamation, but it becomes much more difficult when you have these uh, 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 ostensible preemptions under the uh, under the Federal Fair Credit Reporting Act really uh, tangles things up. I understand, though, in California, there's a, uh, there's a state act that, uh, that has been kind of grandfathered in, but uh, a lot of states, it really does uh, does affect people a lot. Yeah, and, you know, and that's happening more and more in Congress. We've talked about it with regard to, like, the security breach notification that we have in California, and you have it also in Washington. And right now Congress is trying to water that down and saying no private right of action and all sorts of other things. So, you know, I think consumers, those of us who are out there um, really trying to help consumers and the consumers themselves, we have to say, hey, wait a minute, we want to have some kind of enforcement that we can take privately so we can make a difference and, and remedy our own lives. Because exactly. it, doesn't, it doesn't help if the, if the um, Federal Trade Commission is slapping them on the hands for, you know, um, maybe thousands of dollars and then we don't get our lives back. You know, Correct, <laughs> what yeah. help is that? So let's, yeah. go, let's go to the next section, though. I want to have, okay, so we've talked about the, oh, no, we haven't finished with this. So if, if you have something derogatory on, it's how many years? Seven, right? Seven years, generally. There's the bankruptcy uh, uh, preemption or the bankruptcy obsolescence period, which, uh, which is longer. And then, yeah, generally seven years on credit accounts, uh, it can be reported Seven years uh, from the date of uh, first delinquency is the term of art uh, in the uh, in the Fair Credit Reporting Resources Guide. Uh, the, so it, it's actually like six months or from charge off date of first delinquency. Then you go uh, six months and then seven years from there. So um, 
that is the the obsolescence period. But also it's for a little, collection, little easier just say seven years. <laughs> okay, so so let's say this happens. This is the, this is the thing that always happens to people, and I read about it in our little listserv, which is, okay, so um, let's say somebody had something delinquent on their account, and it was almost seven years, and then that company sells it to a collection company. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the collection company calls and says, hey, this is going to be on for another seven years unless you pay it. Now, th- they call up and lie. So why don't, we, yeah. why don't you tell people what the rights really are? Okay. What they, uh, and that's exactly right, what, uh, what these guys are uh, trying to do. What they were using was uh, kind of a misnomer. The Equifax on their credit reports used to, and I think still do, refer to the date of first delinquency is the date of last activity uh and that is not uh, that date is the date of uh, uh of first delinquency on the account it's not uh, when some little thing happened in the file and what the collection agencies were doing was seizing on that ambiguity or what they were claiming was an ambiguity and were saying, hey, when we acquire the file to collect, that is an activity on the account and that's going to set the seven-year period. Well, that's ridiculous as any uh, uh, anyone uh, can see because they could just uh, shift the file back and forth between collection agencies or whatever and say some activity happened on the file. It's the date of first delinquency uh, which uh, appears all through. And this is one area where actually the credit industry standards uh, is not bad for the consumer, where uh, if you look through their books, it's very clear that that date is the uh, the date that the last payment was owed but not made. And uh, that is the date that uh, Equifax uh, refers to is the date of uh, last activity. So if the collection agency, and they still do make this argument sometimes, even though they've really been nailed in some... Uh, uh, some cases, uh, that date, uh, they can't just recreate a date by the uh, time that they uh, pick up the file from the creditor, which could be years later, or when they've bought the portfolio from another collection agency. And the reason they have an incentive to do this is, yeah, I don't want to make anyone cynical, but is a kind of a financial <laughs> incentive. Uh, what they have done is they've bought these portfolios for pennies on the dollar, and if they've bought something that's out of statute, it could be fractions of pennies on the dollars, well, uh, on on a dollar. And the way to make some extra money in a dishonest way is to say, you know, this is not out of statute, and it's not beyond the credit reporting date. It's uh, more recent than it actually is. Let's put it on the credit report. And that's a deceptive act and uh, and uh, is not allowed by both the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, if it's a, if it's a debt collector, uh, and uh, if they dispute it through the Credit Reporting Bureau, uh, they should not verify that uh, that the date that they're reporting is correct. Uh, so that's a major problem now, especially with uh, some of these uh, collection agencies or these bad uh, debt buyers that are buying these huge portfolios or finding that they're not collecting as much as they thought they were on these portfolios. One way to juice their earnings is to go ahead and start 
reporting incorrect dates on this, sometimes on a massive scale, just uh, to, uh, to up their profit level. Yeah, this is pretty terrifying for a lot of people. They'll call me and say, oh, my gosh, you know, I didn't even, this wasn't even my debt. Or they'll, you know, it might be something they don't even remember. And I said, well, look, you know, you have a right, first of all, I don't, I think it's out of statute anyway, and you have a right to even see what they're trying to tell you. It may be fraud. You know, they say, I never even saw this. Or, you know, it'll be sold so many times they can't remember it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It gets bounced around, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Now then, the, let's go to the, the next, let's, I guess we should talk just real briefly, because we only have about five minutes. Let's talk real briefly about the other sections, which is the inquiry section and the, um, the you know, where a creditor actually gets the credit reports. Let's talk mm-hmm. about that and then the other section where they just uh, sell your name on promotion. Yeah, well, the the inquiry section is, uh, it can be broken down, some of the the credit reporting bureaus, and again, this is one of those uh, uh, areas where they keep on changing the format on me, so I'm always a little bit out of date, but uh, uh, there are different types of inquiries uh, on a a credit report. There's a full-blown inquiry where they can pull, uh, where, where they have pulled a full credit report that includes uh, everything that the credit reporting uh, bureau can uh, uh, can provide them, and uh, that'll show up as uh, as an inquiry. And usually, it's broken down. You can tell uh, what uh, how much was provided to whom. Then there are things uh, that are like account reviews, where an ongoing creditor or a collection agency or someone like that can go in and pull up the information. Uh, just reviewing uh, reviewing the account and probably one of the more controversial ones is the pre-screening which uh, allows someone to oh uh, go to a credit reporting bureau and say hey I want to buy uh, a, a list of all the addresses for people who have uh, you know, mortgage over this amount or under this amount or who have bad credit or have filed bankruptcy or, you know, whatever criteria they right. uh, they want to trot out there. Uh, and I am going to give them a firm offer of credit. Uh, and then they give these addresses, and sometimes we're seeing it's actually phone numbers now uh, for them to... Uh, to be able to call, uh, usually still now it is the the addresses, and you'll uh, get these uh, things in the mail. Uh, you know, if you get things, the, from yeah, the pre-approved company. offers, yeah. Exactly. So we could give you know the eight 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 five opt out is the number to call, and then you'll have to give your your speak to a you know a voice prompt that will ask you to give your social security number, and you can opt out of having them sell your name on promotion. So that's yeah. that's the section that you're talking about. Lloyd says we only have about three minutes. So what, um, briefly, if you could just kind of give a broad stroke, what can we do to correct our credit reports? What's the, the main issues here? The main thing, and it's kind of a mantra I, I uh, go into here, and I, I say over and over, is the disputes have to go to the credit reporting bureau for full rights to lock in under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Uh, and then you can also provide the uh, the disputes to whoever is furnishing the information, you know, the credit card companies, uh, collection agencies. You can also provide that to them. But to get your rights under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, 
you got to send the dispute into the credit reporting bureau uh, directly, and then the liability under the act triggers by that uh, that credit reporting bureau contacting the uh, the furnisher of information and the communication that comes back from that. Uh, that furnisher of information to the credit reporting bureau is what is going to either um, solve the whole thing or trigger the liability of that uh, furnisher. So the Fair Credit Reporting Act gives a lot, uh, takes away a lot of your rights, but the right that it does give that is beneficial for the consumer is that section. But to get it, you got to send the dispute into the credit reporting bureau directly and uh, return receipt requested right we want to make sure that they can't say we didn't get it so send that letter and send a copy with another cover letter to the credit card company or to the lender or whomever is got the error and but for sure you're saying it has to go to the credit bureaus to ensure your rights under the fair credit reporting act right exactly and 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 uh brings up a, a good point of these 800 lines and the uh, the online and email that the credit reporting bureaus use. I would not use those. I would not recommend consumers use them. I would say, like you're saying, send it in by certified mail return receipt requested directly to the credit reporting bureau. Okay. Chris, we have to go. Lloyd is saying it's time. And uh, just give your uh, website again, and uh, and we'll be ready. Yeah, it's uh, w.myfaircredit.com. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Chris. We, we'll have you back again. You keep up the good work. Okay, well, thank you. All right, bye-bye. You've been listening to Chris Green. He's an attorney uh, and an expert on the Fair Credit Reporting Act, and he practices out of Seattle, uh, Washington. And you can learn more at myfaircredit.com. And you've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Uh, you've been listening also maybe online at KUCI.org. Thank you for listening to Privacy Piracy. Thank you, Lloyd for being a great engineer and we will hopefully hear you be you'll hear us rather hopefully on uh, next Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. right here on Privacy Piracy please visit uh, and, and write us an email tell us your problems at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI its management or the UC Board of Regents